Hello, Podnutians. Welcome to The Makers, episode 14. We are a traveling group of people who never walk, but instead we sit in circles and build, break, and learn things. Uh, my name is Door to Door Geek, owner, operator, podnuts.com. You want to know more, just go to podnutz.com. Click on our shows. You'll see all of them, including the makers. You can subscribe, get them automatically downloaded to your device of choice. Uh, this week, we are joined by Brett. How's everything going, man? Did you build, break, or learn this week? Um, I broke and uh, I broke uh, Titan Arrow uh, Extruder, which was... I thought it was pretty impressive that uh, I I grinded the bearing out of it somehow, um, but I didn't have a replacement for it, so I called the company and uh, um, they sent it back. Uh, they sent it, I think, next day from the UK, and uh, I don't know what they spent on shipping, but it was really, really good. It was really nice and good customer service. They even sent me candy. I like candy. Um, correct, me, correct me if I'm wrong. That is not a cheap or uh you know uh cheap in price or cheap in quality device that's a higher end one yeah that's from e3d it's the titan arrow uh or arrow titan one of the two and it is you know one of the better ones you can get i wanted to get a good one because you know i i didn't want to have to take it apart again well i've taken that one apart probably 12 13 times not out of you know bad quality of the product but out of um, just different different problems going on and learning different things and uh, one of them involved a uh, involved a piece of electrical tape that got somehow stuck over my filament so it ruined the entire thing I had to clean the whole thing out gotcha gotcha um, can I ask how much did that uh, piece cost brand new brand new I bought it from unfortunately I bought it from eBay but it was from it was a genuine one. It's uh, 120, I believe. Can I ask how many uh, hours or how much time you had on that printing? Um, I've had probably a hundred plus hours, maybe 200 plus hours. So it's 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 going good. And I haven't taken it apart since probably the last two months. But then the electrical tape thing happened, and when I took it apart, I saw the bearing was almost gone. So yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like it just wore out. That bearing was pretty much shrapnel. Yeah, it really was. As yeah, well and you'd as the been, hop gear. You'd been having intermittent issues with it. And it was, I mean, it was intermittent. And you look at the thing and you'd think that would have just pooed the bed completely as opposed to yeah. how it failed. Yeah, well, I noticed that uh, because I have, I tend to tighten my uh, my lead screw for the for the tightening on it. I usually have that pretty tight. So I think the fact that it was still tight made it, almost catch sometimes but not other times so i think it depended on wh- where it was turning you're, you're so, talking about the the tension on the on the tension on the filament yeah. yeah do you think you had that too high of tension on the filament or is it just a something defaulty bearing or well there's two things it could have been the tension on the filament but i was thinking i don't remember oiling it before i put it on but I don't know if I would have had to, but I did this time. I don't know if you're supposed to. I mean, those are sealed bearings, isn't it? Um, I believe it is, but I still oiled it just in case. I don't, you're right. I don't think there's a way to really oil the inside of it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, quick favor, Brett. Can you put a link to that uh, piece in the notes just so, so 
we have it there so people can see what we're talking about. You mean the hob or the uh, or the whole thing? I'm going to say the whole thing. I'm thinking. Okay. And um, apparently, uh, the um, massive fires in Oregon slowed down just long enough for Aaron to come out to the show. Uh, hey, 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 Aaron. Hope everything's going good, man. Yeah, real good. Um, how are you guys? Um, yeah, this morning it was uh, so thick you could uh, could hardly walk outside. Burning throat, you know, smell of smoke everywhere. You could uh, hardly look down the street. It was so thick. But now it's cleared up a little bit for now, and then it's supposed to roll in again tonight. Good times. So in this time away, have you uh, done much building, breaking, or learning? Um, actually, I printed, uh, tested out uh, this filament I had uh, ordered. I don't know if anybody had uh, seen the video of uh, Joel telling a 3D printing nerd he did a, a pull the rope a nom nom character, the main character, and he uh, did it in this rainbow filament uh, type color. Uh, it's called Splendid. And uh, so I ordered some of that just to check it out. It looked kind of cool. And uh, printed a little one, but uh, I didn't get to the rainbow part, so it just turned out uh, like this. And this is without, this is just with my Zealtex settings, and uh, it came out pretty good. I need to uh, make it a lot bigger so I can get more of the rainbow on it. Right now it's just pretty much all gray. But it turned out that's about all I uh, printed. Uh, the first print was a failure, so there's my break. But other than that, nothing. So how long, how many meters is that before it changes colors or whatever? I've always looked at them and been like, wow, that seems like you have to print something really huge to get that rainbow effect. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm looking at the filament right now. I wish I could, well, I could heat up the nozzle and pull it out. But um, it... I want to say it's probably a good three to three to ten meters per you know different color. So yeah, you got to print out some fairly good size to get that uh, that rainbow effect for sure. Because this little guy's what just about just a little what did it say sixty millimeters. So I mean I would have to do it at three hundred percent to uh, get a decent size. Yeah, that's that's I, I kind of I saw that one. And I, I like the nice silky look to it. it. It looked real clean. But then that's exactly what I came up against was like, you know, I don't really print giant things. And unless you print something giant, you're just not going to get a lot of that color change. Right. And that's, you know, uh, you and I had talked about that. And after after I'd ordered it, ordered it I uh, definitely thought about that. And, of course, when I got it, it was that exactly what you thought, uh, Liam. So... Yeah, I don't print big, uh, big stuff like that either. But I think I might uh, do this one just for the fun of it, or maybe I'll, um, you know, do something for Halloween uh, that's just huge and rainbowish. It'd be nice if you could uh, find somebody that does those in specific colors, like somebody I don't know makes one that goes red, green, and and yellow, and you could make a. Uh, I don't know, a, a bobsled that, that fills up the FT5 or something. What do you mean? That each, that each person is uh, um, a different color? No, no, no. Uh, like, pick different colors. So, hey, this one is the rainbow. This one has these three colors. This one has these four colors. 
Oh, gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. That would be nice. I only saw the one uh, that was like the rainbow colors. But like I said, um, I didn't do any. I just used the Zealtech profile off my uh, Simplify 3D and uh, at 205, even though it says 215. And it came out really, really smooth. Um, there's a couple uh, over extrusion little bumps on it, you know, but... I mean, nothing Nothing you'd have to worry about. It came out really nice. Okay, Aaron, for the um, audio listener, could I ask for a link to that STL, if you can, in the notes, just so they can see what we're talking about? You bet. I'll uh, post that right now. Thank you, thank you. Uh, we're also joined this week by Chad. Chad, uh, I had some pictures, again, some proof. He was uh, definitely busy this week doing some building, but I don't know about any breaking. A- and you did some fixing, didn't you? Yeah, I um, I was uh, I made a few clocks this week and a few different things on my uh, MPC and C um, that turned out really well. I thought some of the stuff turned out really, really well, and uh, those are for customers, and they were really happy with them. Um, and then I uh, had to fix my laser. And if you will listen to last week, I I was just assuming that it was um a rectifier that was bad and turns out I was right and um that's kind of what I got to talk about this week too so I'll but um yeah it didn't break anything fixed a lot of things a lot of little things um still waiting for my new printer <laughs> and so it's been a pretty slow week except for those few builds for the clocks and stuff or my uh money making stuff gotcha gotcha yeah that uh delta i'm pretty sure when that delta printer comes in you're going to be at least a little bit excited uh and i am really happy to see your cnc is putting out to be honest what i think of is really top top quality craftsmanship type work you shared some of the pictures and and i'm really happy that the customers are just as happy oh yeah i delivered three of them three or four of them today and they were all just ecstatic with them and picked up more orders when I delivered them too. And it's going pretty good with that. Um, the quality of the MPCNC with the upgrades that I did, and I'm going, I'm hoping this week I'll get those STLs out on Thingiverse and stuff um, for the double rail system that I did. The quality is just phenomenal. I'm just so happy with it. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, we're also joined by Liam. Hey, hey, Liam, did you do any uh, building, breaking, or learning this week? Oh, uh, I learned that when you're compiling with Arduino, you get binaries and source. It's just created in a temp file. Um, after it's done compiling down at the bottom in the, the log, the readout, it, it shows the path. So if you need the .hex as opposed to a the source, that's where you can find it. Um, I broke my CR10, fixed that as well. Uh, I think currently it's broken. But it'll get fixed again. Um, what did I build? I built a bunch of stuff. I uh, did some uh, designs, infusion, made some parts for uh, a recently acquired airsoft rifle. Uh, just just a normal week, really. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. What's a uh, door broken, learned, and uh, built? Um, I will say I did think I was going to break something this week. Um, 
my son uh, was telling a classmate friend, a girl, that he had a 3D printer that he could make and he could design things from scratch and kind of things. And I got the impression like she almost didn't believe him. So she told him to make an elephant for her. So my son opened up Tinkercad, designed an elephant, uh, printed it out. But in the, to me, logical fashion, he did it incorrectly. He made it to where the elephant's four legs and the body's up off of the bed. So, and he insisted on there be um, supports. And he printed it, and I didn't know. And then almost 12 hours later, he said, can you do me a favor? Can you get the elephant off the bed? So I just went in and I tried to grab it and like twist, pick, you know, and it did, didn't budge. And for a lot of the prints I've had, that's all I had to do. Then I looked down and realized there was no glue stick on the bed at all. And it was like the thing was cemented on the bed. So I pulled out the scraper and I'm sitting here thinking something is going to break. I'm hitting this thing so hard and I'm, and I'm purposely not doing it in the direction that the bed travels. Cause I figured that can't be good. So I'm tip. So I'm doing it perpendicular to the, the way the bed moves. And I had to literally slam that elephant's base at least seven, eight times with good force to get it to finally pop off the bed. But it looks like nothing broke, but I swore something was going to break. Um, the learning, uh, we basically, I sat down with my son just on the fly. Once in a while, I try to do things on my own. Um, I purposely don't want to ask you guys some things because I want my son to experience it as if he's learning it kind of thing. So I say one of the things he said was his bot case he created for his phone takes his phone in and out of it so much the phone doesn't stay in it as well and it like almost falls out now. So he said, Dad, I think we need to print something and maybe like a little bit more of a flexible material. So me thinking I know what I know, well, nylon's the answer. I go on to Amazon, just put nylon filament sampler. I can't find any sample roll of filament on Amazon. All I found was four was full rolls and they were like 50 bucks. So I just Google um, nylon filament pack and what I was shocked was the lack of colors of nylon most of them were either white mo okay, most of them were off white some of them were whitish and then some of them looked almost a weird like a sickly color of black it was like it, to me it just didn't look black so I ordered what I took is now the natural color of nylon and it was a sample pack 15 bucks it was something like 100 uh, feet I want to say it wasn't a lot but it's enough for him to see how it is, see how it performs. But what I didn't realize was the low temperature it said on the webpage was 240 degrees. And Liam, if not, if I am correct, the maximum my hot end should be set to by default on my CR10 is 250. Um, I believe PTFE starts to break down at 245, 260, somewhere in there. The hard limit on the CR10, unless you updated your firmware, is 260. Um I mean, realistically, you're probably fine. Um, eventually, the PTFE lining is going to break down, but at the same time, it's like a $12 upgrade to switch to an all-metal um, all metal hot end. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, w without sounding stupid, I'm okay with me and him ordering something, having it come in, and having it basically non-usable. Uh, I would literally take it as a learning exercise on our behalf so because we didn't do proper research we just stumbled across it and purchased it and part of me right when i clicked buy i was like it's only 15 bucks even if it doesn't work this is gonna be a good time for him to know and understand why 
you have to do some research when you buy stuff if it doesn't work if it does work you know then it's perfectly fine um and i did more business planning with him you know we have to figure out what we're going to make and the realistically what i said is you need to give me 20 different things you want we're going to print 20 different things we're going to take pictures of 20 different things we're going to post 20 different things and then we're going to see which ones sell and then whichever ones sell we're going to focus on making more of um so i think he kind of gets that and i will say there's uh two links here aaron put in the um notes one of them is a thingiverse elephant which i think looks friggin' awesome uh and then his om nom uh so i'm gonna make sure both of them are in the notes as well um liam was the elephant oh gotcha gotcha um didn't really do much in the way of making uh i can think of uh we just had a little bit of when I, I when i don't go to work and when i'm home more it seems like i'm even more busy so it isn't I didn't have a lot of time to really get too in depth with stuff, but um, definitely set him up a little bit more for success was the actual plan. Hey, Dor, one quick question um, on the phone case: How flexible did you want your filament? I mean, are you looking for something that bends, or are you just looking for something that's got a little give to it? Well, my logic is just a little give. I because he kept saying flexible and I'm thinking to myself, I don't think you actually want it flexible. You just want it to be able to have a little bit of movement in it. Because I make phone cases and I do them out of TPU and I really like that because there is shock absorbance in that. Um I can show you a little bit like this is TPU and I can crank this thing up and it comes right back to shape and it fits on my phone great i mean it always holds in my phone you can pull it in and out a hundred thousand times a day if you wanted and it goes right back to the original shape you printed it in um so i put a link in there of some of the sample tpus that you can get on amazon and that's maybe maybe take a look at that instead of nylon because if you want something that's flexible nylon it does have some give but i wouldn't say it's flexible you know gotcha gotcha well um can I ask what is the um, temperatures that you should print this at? Uh, I think it's the, rated from like 180 to uh, 220 or something like that. I printed it at about 200, 205. Yeah, the the Saiyan Smart splash spools that he put in there, um, I, I just printed with some of that today, matter of fact, and I run it at 215 on my CR10 prints great. Um, the... Uh, the I, either will work great for a phone case. The nylon is going to be more rigid. The TPU is going to be more flexible. Um, you're not going to break either one of them realistically as long as things printed properly. It's just do you want more give or do you want more rigidity? Um, when TPU fails, it's the layer to layer adhesion that fails. It, you're not going to break the the same layers. Like you're not going to stretch it and break it. Um, at least in my experience, I don't know. You've had a different experience there, Chad, with yours, but it seems like layer separation is the weak point. Um, yeah, it is layer separation is definitely the weak point. It, you can print out a rubber band with this stuff if you want, the TPU. And as long as you print it hot enough, you don't want to print it so hot it comes out and disforms, but you got to find that hot that it gets good layer adhesion. And I've I've never had any of my phone's cases separate, and I've got multiples of them um and i use them every day in my shop i drop them i've dropped my phone many a times never had a problem with any of this any of the tpu stuff well 
I'm really not trying to be ignorant. It just so happens it's going to come off sounding like ignorant. You guys keep saying TPU, but the description says nylon. So is TPU a type of nylon? No, they're, they're separate products. Um, TPU is the, the bumper cases, phones, um, the outer layer on an OtterBox. So, um, um, I'm sorry, Liam, you put the link in the notes to Tallman Nylon 230 Filament. I thought that was the TPU link. No, no, the one saying smart, that's TPU. Yeah, the TPU is basically what, when you buy a phone case, it's like a bumper case or a drop case or whatever, that's ah. the exact material. And it, it, it does a really good job of holding a shape. It's, it's like a memory. You can bend it. And it comes right back to its original shape that you printed it at. Yeah. Um, to the listener, what I'll say is this to me is a much better solution. Uh, if you've ever seen OtterBox cases, they sometimes come in two layers. There's this super spongy layer. Then there's the hard, rigid layer. You put them together. You have the shock support. And then you have the rigid support all in one case. This is the insane squishy stuff. The way Chad is bending this stuff, I didn't really think it would be easy to get out of a normal standard 3D, yeah, 3D printer. He's squishing the crap out of it. Um, I figured you would need like really high temps or something to print it, but it looks like you can print it fine. And in typical fashion, Liam finds a very good, exactly, perfectly, exquisitely what I was looking for earlier, but I didn't know what I was looking for. This is a TPU, uh, 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 s- splash spool, they call it, which took me a second to say correctly. Where for $7.99 a piece, you can get a whole bunch of different colors purple, black, yellow, white, gray, red, orange, clear, which actually looks pretty clear, pink, green, and blue. I can literally see buying like five of these things tomorrow morning just because. So, like with this TPU case, I can grab it in the center and pull as hard as I can, and it just does nothing it just stretches like a like rubber it's like rubber you know note to self chad grabs in the center and pulls as hard as he can got it yeah door i have uh two rolls of uh that tpu right here that i ordered i just haven't had a chance to mess with it uh green and yellow so so can i ask is the green like a bright green or middle or deeper um it is well let's take a look here i think it's more of like a lime green color that's okay i don't even know how to open this thing oh yeah it's definitely whoa it's a neon i don't know if let's see if i can you see that oh yeah 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 it's like a deep neon yeah yeah i was thinking exactly some of the neon to do some shirts I mean that is really yeah. really cool. Oh 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 yeah 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 yeah. T-shirts with this stuff, but good good good. That's clothing. right. Yeah, exactly. if you were going to do any printing on clothing or anything, yeah, that would this would be the material. Okay, we're going that to go cool. now, and we're going to buy some. You can make your <laughs> own custom Spider-Man mask. That that's right. <laughs> When I when I first tested it, I was really surprised how well it actually prints. You got once you get it dialed in, it's flawless printing. It really prints well. One of the best Marvins I ever printed was the TPU. Um, I keep all my little Marvins in a bag, and I always have to squeeze them to figure out which one is the damn TPU. Okay, so definitely getting the green just because it's close. I would say 
to a pod nuts green because, you know, I should get that color green after all. The blue looks to me glorious blue. I definitely am a fan of the blue as well. Um, man, I got, I got yellow orange. here too. So there is other links too, and other companies that make the stuff. But, um, when you do this... print the sand smart stuff, um, it is smaller. You do have to bump up your multiplier or change your settings a little bit because I think the, instead of being 1.75, it, it, it's actually like 1.64, 1.68, somewhere in there. Gotcha, so gotcha. Um, you will have to watch that or else you won't get fill in and you'll get voids in your, and that will cause problems too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, I'm, what I'm going to guess is if I do the um, test cube, I should then see uh, artifacts that would tell me that that would be a good setting to change. Exactly. That's how I did it. I did um, Liam's test cube thing, and um, basically, you if you set it at 1.75, you can basically pull it apart, and all the all the the layers come apart. It just strings apart like a spring. But I bumped it. I, I always change my filament diameter instead of changing my multiplier. So I go down to 1.63 and I get a really good infill and layer adhesion. So that's something to think about. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. So uh, my topic this week was going to be about good sampler packs. And to me, I'm going to lean on my experience with beer. The best kind of sampler packs is when you get to go pick and choose if you've ever seen the movie History of the World Part 1, where you're able to walk down the line and go, no, 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 yes, no, 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 yes, and and pick your own kind of thing. So this, to me, is going to be a great sampler pack for me to show my son. I literally just bought four of them. Blue, green, orange, yellow, good, bright, vibrant colors to show him what it can be done. And logically, I'll say, what I'm going to do is every time I get any new filament, first thing I have to do, it's like having that checklist in a business to make sure you don't mess up. The first thing I need to do is try to print a test cube and over-examine it for perfection. Because any flaw my logic is in that test cube will only be uh, exemplified on bigger prints. Yeah, a test cube and a temp tower is always a good idea with an unknown or if you're going to be resetting up uh, your slicer or you've made changes to your machine. Um, basically, if you have any problems with your prints and you've got a good level, that's probably the next place to go is check your uh, check your multipliers, your temperatures, and everything. Um, on the nylon, the flexibility is going to be more a function of how thick the walls are. So a phone case, two walls thick, 0.4 millimeter, nice and flexible. You bump that up where it's two or three millimeters thick. It, it's going to flex, but it's going to take a lot of effort. Um, with nylon, it's extremely hydroscopic. hydroscopic. Um, it's going to suck in moisture from the second you open it. So if you don't have a dehydrator or a toaster oven or somewhere you can put it to actively dry it out, don't open it until you're going to use it because they will... They can take up 20% of their weight in water in, in what, 24, 48 hours, and then it just prints for total crap. Wow, that sounds like a lot, and it sounds quick. Yeah, and I've had my TPU open for quite a while, and it doesn't seem to absorb much moisture, so um, not not saying that anything bad about the nylon. Um, the TPU 
if you're going to print that, getting it off the bed can be a problem. But I've found that the water and alcohol solution that I've talked about before, it just pops off. I mean, it literally slides off. If you go to grab, like I use um, Kapton tape, and if you print TPU directly on it, it sticks better than the Kapton tape sticks to the bed. So you'll pull your Kapton tape off when you're trying to get it off, but you put the alcohol or even Windex on there, and it will literally just, it'll slide off. Very cool, very cool. Um, you also have uh, a couple links here, Chad, in your notes. Um, yeah, I do. Um, so I was talking last week about my problems with my laser, and uh, I just took my power supply and did some tests on it and found out that the, um, um, oh, what is it, the uh, rectifier was bad. It, the diodes and the rectifier weren't working, so it was throwing voltage back at the fuse and whatnot and that was just for me testing it but then did a little more research on on this and this there's a guy that's got a it looks like a blog posting whatever um don's things um there's a link in the notes and he goes through that and much more like how to rewire it and different things and how to how to upgrade it and everything he's really done some research on these uh k40 lasers very cool and um jonas also says this guy does good uh youtube videos i believe oh yeah yeah and he links to a lot of them too and not just his but other people's youtube uh stuff that he's he's used and he gives credit to other people throughout his blog post that he found information from other people and stuff. So real, real good blog postings here. Oh my Lord. Yeah. I mean, uh, the number and the clarity of pictures, for instance, on this guy's posting is hard to match is what I'm going to say. And he looks like he literally takes you through step by step by step, explaining everything in a pretty uh, clear fashion. Well, that, and he gives you part numbers and, uh, Amazon links where it's available. Some of them are dead links, you know, but that's just the way it is with Amazon, you know. But you'll get part numbers for DigiKey or whatever, and uh, that was kind of my thing. I, If I could have found a store that had them, had the parts I needed, it would have been like $2 in parts to fix my laser. But it cost me, well, about 15 bucks because I got to pay for shipping on stuff, so... <laughs> Shipping was about yeah, about ten times more than what the parts cost. Wow. Well, when you only need one little rectifier that's thirty-five cents, if you can find it in a store, you know, if our if my local um, Radio Shack was still open, you know, but it's not, so <laughs> uh, you got to order it from DigiKey, and they're really reasonable priced, except for the shipping. You know, you're buying. Three, four of them, whatever, five of them, you know, you're paying $8 in shipping. Did you happen to get any extra just in case? I did. I bought, I needed one, so I bought three. It's <laughs> always good? Uh, well, at 
40, I think it was 42 cents or something like that for the parts or it was under 50 cents. So, but the shipping was $8. So I was like, well, might as well get three of them, you know? Exactly. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm happy it's back up and running. Uh, do you have any immediate plans on how you're going to use the laser? Are you going to use it for your Etsy shop? Yeah, I've got some plans in the works of things to make with it. Um, and I've got some customers already for it, uh, customer work already. And I've got to go shopping now. Uh, I got to go to pick up some stuff so I can etch metal or it's, it's only a 40 watt, so it's not the most powerful thing. Um, but you can buy this dry, dry lube, uh, whatever it's for screen doors or something like that. So they slide better. It's like a graphite. It's like a spray on graphite and something in the chemical reaction causes it to etch into the stainless steel and metal. And it, it's almost, you have to really sand it off. I mean, it, it becomes like hard as a rock, I guess. So I'm going to try that because otherwise my laser can't touch the stainless steel. Um, so I'm going to try that for the guy and see if that works. This is a customer product that, that I'm working on. And hopefully that works. There is some other chemicals, but they're way more expensive. We're talking the $200 range for just a two-ounce bottle of it. This stuff I can get for $6 for a nine-ounce spray can of it. So if that works, then I'll, you know, that will be great. If it doesn't, I don't, I'm going to have to pass it on to another guy because I can't just eat that expense, you know, for a $10, $15 job, you know. I can't do it. <laughs> but I might buy some just to try it out. I don't know. <laughs> gotcha gotcha well i hope it all works well um then for a change this week i'm not going to skip liam uh I, I actually moved his notes up further just so it would be less likely to happen um what kind of stuff did you want to talk about this week or last week or the week before oh, i don't have anything you can just skip me yeah <laughs> um let's see i guess first thing i'll nah, talk skip about him. He ain't got nothing. <laughs> first thing i want to talk about is uh well, dehydrator, we kind of touched on that already. Getting uh, your nylon dry using um, silica gel beads will keep it dry, but it's not going to pull moisture out of them. Um, the silica gel pulls moisture out of the air in the case that it's in. It's not going to actively dry your filaments. If you have something that's already wet, um, you really need to actively dry it, whether it's a dehydrator, um, just standard food dehydrator, you can modify the the uh the shelves to fit filament in there um if you ever get we're getting blobs even with massive amounts of retraction what's happening is it's likely wet and you're getting the steam vaporizing inside the hot end which is causing pressure so you're still getting blobs no matter how much retraction you use so you start getting blobs like that you might check see if you have a moisture problem with it um, the hydrator will fix that the other thing that's good to note with a dehydrator if you have some filament that's wound super tight on like these small spools or you have some filament that you want to take and straighten out for use with uh, uh, the 3d pinning printing pins you can stick it in the dehydrator at least the pla to get it to limp up so you can relax the shape or rewind it or stretch it out and let it cool down <laughs> and uh, get it to more appropriate shape or winding 
Gotcha, gotcha. Well, yeah, and the silica gel tablets, um, I believe for the listener at home who's not educated, that's basically the little packet type things you get inside, like jerky bottles of medicine and stuff, but just a, a bigger bag, right? Yeah, yeah, it's your your basic desiccant. Um, silica gel is the, the common one, the do not eat this. No, those are to eat. They're special types of candy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, wanted to mention Nylon 230. Since we were talking about nylons, I, I have been printing exclusively with Bridge, which is from Dalman. It's it's an quote unquote easy to print nylon, and actually it's pretty decent. Uh, you get things dialed in and figured it out. But I wanted to try some others, and I came across Nylon 230 from the same company manufactured uh, Talman. It's it's called Nylon 230 because it's designed to be printed at 230, which is very very low for nylon, and the Tensile strength is actually greater than bridge, so it's both stronger, um, stronger than the uh, the bridge, and prints more easily. So if you have if you've ever wanted to try nylon but you don't have a high temp um, printer or you can't you don't want to print because you have PTFE and you're worried about damaging it, try out the nylon 230. It's it prints butter smooth. This stuff is so nice. I'll be switching to it exclusively. And of course, you can dye nylon, so that's nice as well. You just uh, fabric dye, writ. There'll be a note in the in the show, a link in the show notes on how to do that. Um, Liam, one question is: Do you know what the um, temperature like? Um, I know not most like the bridge um, nylon can be used at high temperatures, low temperatures, and stuff. Do you know what the temperatures? of usability is on the uh, 230? Um, I don't know offhand. I did have the data sheet for all of them. That's where I found the, the, the strength and tensile ratings on everything. And that's what led me to the 230. Um, I want to say I threw it up on the Maker's MeWe page a while back. Or maybe it was just in the box you chatted on. It's easy enough to track down, though. Um, I want to say it's rated for over 100C, though. That's easy enough to, to find out, however. Yeah, I'm just asking because I make some product out of um, for a customer out of uh, a- ABS, but I'm getting really sick of trying to make ABS print decently. Um, I had really good luck in the beginning with ABS, but now it's, I don't know, maybe I'm just too used to being able to print fast with PLA. Yeah, and I don't print at a different speed at all. My, my default with nylon is um, 60 if I don't care or if, if I don't need super clean details, um, if I want just super, super clean surface finish, then I'll, I'll crank it down to 45. But yeah, prints all day, no problem at 60 millimeters a second. What's a, kind of the price range on a kilo of that? Um, they sell their stuff in a half kilo. Or no, I'm sorry, one, one pound spools, so a little under half kilo. Um, runs 18 to 29, depending on where you get it, if it's on sale and such. So it's it's two to three times as expensive as low end PLA, but it's just really really good stuff too. Yeah, I might have to give that a shot for some of my customer products. Um, ABS has just not been printing well for me. I don't know if I'm trying to push it too hard or what, but I can't fill up a full bed and have it print consistently throughout the whole print. Yeah, and I'll say the uh, dyeing n- nylon filament with fabric dye uh looking at the link i think it's actually really cool 
what it is is you print the item because me wasn't clear sure how to do it so you print the item you take fabric dye looks like you put it in like a pot on a stove i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty sure very low heat put the dye in the water dilute it down then you basically submerge the item in the dye post print uh for about 10 minutes uh 10 minutes gets it dyed 20 minutes it looks like on the size of things doing gets it pretty saturated and a full 30 minutes and this thing is like unbelievably saturated with color um so it's a post printing process to color the filament which to be honest is to me i don't want to say better but now you only dye exactly what you need to dye because it's done and printed and not pre-printing yeah so you could have a whole bunch printed out and then when somebody makes the order you can just go dye it real quick um, another nice thing about nylon is it will take threading. You can tap it. And it does have a rigidity to it, right? I mean, it will hold its shape pretty well if you do it in oh, yeah, layers. Yeah. If, you, okay. if you've got more than two to three walls, it's it's pretty stout. Okay. I'll have to, I might have to order some here this week here and get some in. I'll just have to raise my price on my product for the guy. <laughs> well, and the other real nice thing about um, nylon, you don't have to worry about chemicals so much and then it does not shatter um you'll be able to fatigue it and fail like like you would with a tpu but you're not going to be able to shatter it so do you know if it's got a cold resistant like if it's gonna if cold is gonna affect it because the product they make is for somebody that makes something for ice fishing and so it's gonna be cold most of the time um, you know, I don't have any specific testing with that. Um, if you take a look at the, um, the link I dropped in there, this gives you their relative toughness, durability direct from the manufacturer. And I would imagine you could reach out to them and get those specs or which one they would recommend for that usage anyways. Yeah. I'm assuming if it's nylon, most nylons can withstand cold pretty decently. So, um, I'll have to look into it though. Thanks, Liam. Well, I mean, nylon should just be nylon. We got nylon glass-filled housings on industrial tools the world round. I, so I imagine it's probably totally fine. Gotcha, gotcha. Did you have anything uh, else in the notes you wanted to bring up? Um, talk about some pneumatic fittings. The If you're running a Bowden, pneumatic fittings are the things that you push the Bowden into that secures it on either end. I recently picked up some pass-through fittings, so instead of it stopping in the fitting, you're able to push it through as far as you want. Um, I picked those up because I ended up replacing the um, the extruder assembly on my CR-10 because the plastic one that came with it just had too much play in it, and it was missing steps here and there. So I picked up one of these so that I could pass the uh, PTF tube right up against the um, the gear. That way it will more readily print flexibles without jamming and then also it's easier to load the filament in so if you're having problems loading the filament in on your boat and you might look at just replacing a, a single fitting to make your life that much easier well not sounding stupid because i sound stupid looking at a picture of this it's called five piece pc4 m6 pneumatic straight fitting connector for four millimeter od ptfe tube 3d printer looking at this piece I'm not completely positive where in the hell this thing would actually go in the printer. I'm guessing that the tube coming from the feeder down to the hot end, it's going to go on that tube closer to the hot end. Um, 
actually you already have one on the hot end because this is what pushes the PTFE tube right up against the the heat break and then goes into the actual hot end itself. But what you'd be doing is putting one on the end that feeds in from the extruder gear. Uh, so it'd be the exact way, opposite then. Yeah, yeah, and that way you're able to push it right up against it. And you can even take and cut these at an angle so you can get it in between the idler gear and the actual gear that pushes the filament. Um, just so you have a minimal amount of space where the flexibles can creep out the side. So it allows you to more easily print flexibles and actually print them faster too because you're not going to have it jam it up as you try and push it back down the PTFE tube. So I was exactly wrong. Yeah, got it. You were exactly right, just on the wrong end. Like Something like that, yeah. Uh, and then it, it looks like you've also been doing some airsoft rifle mods um, really quick. What's the difference between Airsoft, BB Pellet, and Nerf? Uh, <laughs> Airsoft and traditional BBs, size is the main difference, and speed. Um, and material. And, and pain. <laughs> oh, no, they're both painful. Um, oh, I'm not doubting that, yeah. And then Nerf, it's a whole other ball of wax. Nerf is more kid stuff. Not that kids can't play Airsoft, it's just there, there, there's a fair more about, amount of pain involved in it. Um, next level kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, it's the kid's grown up and now he's a masochist or sadist or whatever. Um, now, if you were to hit a squirrel with a airsoft gun, is it going to kill it? It depends on how close you are. I was going to say, looking at the pictures of what I'm looking at, I'm going to say probably if is no, it's just going to scare it from the pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. Uh... I would say no. It's just going to scare the you-know-what out of it. Well, here's the, here's the only problem I have with them. Looking at the first link I look at, which is airsoftstation.com, they don't have one of these things that look like the gun from the fifth element, or else I might buy one. Well, you could you could print modifications for that. But yeah, you I mean... Print, print an older shell for it, and you're way to go. Heck yeah. Um, you go to Walmart, and you pick one up, yeah, those aren't going to be killing any animals or squirrels or anything. Not that squirrels aren't animals, whatever. Um, um, they are animals, Liam. They are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, you see they're just, no, they're just rodents. They aren't yeah. anything. Rats yeah. with fluffy tails. Yeah, they're tree rats. If you, if you pick up a hobby-grade one, it's going to do a lot more damage. They're, they're, they're built to shoot the proper BBs. The only reason I mention that is because Dora was asking the difference between them. And it is feet per second type deal. I mean, I have a BB gun that I've I've taken out a few squirrels with, and actually a rabbit or two. So um, I don't know if you could do that with an airsoft. <laughs> oh, you definitely can. You can you can get get them that'll push seven eight hundred FPS. Yeah, see, mine's like thirteen hundred. I think right the one I got. Yeah, I used to be. Uh... Happy with my 500 uh, bolt ac- bolt action uh, rifle. It it hurt, but your guys' stuff, no, no thanks. And then um, traditional BBs are smaller. I think they're four mil, two millimeter. Where airsoft runs six millimeter. Yeah, they're six. And then of course the weight's going to be different because metal versus plastic. Um, yeah, getting getting aside from that, um, I I made a. Uh, "Quote unquote silencer." It's just a flash suppressor add-on to get rid of the, the blaze orange tip that was on there. Uh, we we have private land that we're on, so it, we don't have to worry about 
someone mistaking things for things. If, if somebody's out there and mistaking us for having real gear, they're they're the ones in the wrong in the first place because they're trespassing. So printed out, designed and printed out um, a screw on flash suppressor for the thing. So it didn't look stupid running around camoed up while I uh, got this orange thing everybody can find me with. That was uh, that was uh, um, a screw on. Yeah, all of these hobby grade ones have screw on. They're uh, typically 14 millimeter left hand thread. Nice. Yeah, that turned so out I really just, good. I grabbed it out of uh, Fusion 360, modeled it up, printed out a test one, um, found I had to increase the size by about 3% to get it to fit tolerance wise. But yeah, I, gosh, just had the thing modeled and printed and ready in less than a day. It was very nice. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Aaron, uh, look, we still have a link in here that honestly, I think you left in the notes possibly four episodes ago. Oh, is that all? Well, you haven't been here. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Uh, let's take a look here. It was, I think I know which one it was. Um, was that the one? And honestly, it was more like um, just to talk about how many different. Oh, here it is. No, yeah, here it is. Um, talk about how many different. Uh, my mini factory had a had a link to uh, the best three D uh, design software uh, for three uh, uh, D printing, and it was uh, just showing all the different. Uh, slicer programs and uh, 3D CAD pro. Well, I think it's oh, it's all 3D CAD programs that uh, that there's available, and I just thought it was uh, something that the listeners uh, could check out because there's definitely a lot more on here that I even that uh, that I even knew existed. I mean, they let's see here. I mean, obviously they've got Tinkercad. They've got some something called Vectari. Um, 3D Slash, uh, of course, Autodesk Fusion 360, uh, Block SCAD, um, Doodle 3D, uh, Gravity Sketch. I mean, there's a ton here, and I just thought it was a good link with a lot of good information that if somebody's getting into this, uh, or already into this and they want to try a different slicer, or I mean, excuse me, I keep saying slicer, but different uh, 3D CAD program. Um, there's probably 30 different ones here that they show. So uh, something to take a look at. Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I I said no idea there was that many. And they literally ranged the gamut from 360, Tinkercad, Blender, uh, and everything in between, including it looks like there's at least one or two that are strictly on like Google Play. There's one here called 3DC, which I've heard of, which is like strictly a Apple and Android, a Apple iPhone and Android type app. So yeah, if you want choice, this is the link to follow. Uh, wow. Yeah, there's like yeah, there's a Mesh Mixer, um, Morphe, uh, On Shape. I've heard of that one. Uh, Open SCAD, yeah, I mean, Photoshop CC, I mean, geez, there's a ton of stuff. Okay, I'm just surprised in how they order these things. Like, You mean the order just, of them? Yeah. I just, think they're just alphabetical. random? No, I think they're alphabetical. Let's see, uh, well, 
Because Tinkercad does not come before. Yeah, yeah, Vector. no, that that was a total screw up. Because um, they have all that S. <laughs> I know. As soon as I, as soon as I was like, oh wait a second, no, that's not right. Um, no, I was. Let's see. Like all the S's are together. All the or they look like they're together from what I'm looking at here. Uh, the V's it looks are together. Bunched, but not. Yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. I think they tried to start it that way because the end of it, uh, the very last one's a Z, and then it goes W, V, um, S, you know. But, yeah, like Tinkercad, they obviously didn't put that in the right order. Um, I, I think they... who donated the most to the project. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I bet that's absolutely what it is. But there is easily, I mean, geez, I'm thinking 30 to 50 different ones here. So I mean, any in the first 10, I, I know three of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're still missing some. I mean, I don't see Kira in here. I don't Yeah, but Kira's see... a slicer. It's not Oh, that's a true. It is a slicer. Yeah. How about, what was that one? Um, oh, maybe that one was Mesh Mixer. Um, oh, shoot. I can't think of it. Liam used it, tried it out for a while. I tried it out for a teeny bit. Idea idea Maker? No. Hey, I where the... On Shape? Or are you talking about that one that it just launched that was kind of horrible? Yeah, it was it was one that launched a while ago, but you only used it for a little bit. Oh shoot. I can see it in my head, but I just can't I I can't. You know, I can picture it in my head, but I just can't think of the name of it. Not sure, but um this is really good. This is the kind of thing one, two, where 3D? No. Is web-based? Yes, it was web. Uh, uh no, no, it was actually a download. Okay, yeah, the only other one I've used is uh one two three D design. This has got some really randoms in there. It's wow. Yeah, exactly. I've never heard of most of these. Maybe it was the mess mess mesh mixer one. Uh, didn't you uh, play around with that one, uh, Liam? Yeah, that's that's more artist tools, more yeah. sculpting. I think it was what uh, I've done. idea maker or something like that that's the one i remember that we that everyone messed around with for a little bit well we're maybe you guys are mixing up slicers slicer. and, and yeah cad oh was it oh. yeah yeah you're right you're right well it, it had some mesh fixing stuff but yeah mostly a slicer that's yeah that's probably what it was you're right chad i i i think that's it was a slicer that had some mesh capabilities or some uh sculpting capabilities yeah, some but, of these look pretty cool. I might have to give them a check out. And yeah, see what's going I, on, I don't but. know if they're any good. You know, I'm looking through them now, but I just thought it was a good um, link that had many, many, many ideas for anybody out there that's uh, either looking for a new one or just looking to get started in one period. You know, give it a shot, see what you think, let us know, you know, ask questions. We're happy to give whatever help we can. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Yeah, th th this is one of those links to keep around. Uh, did you have any other topics that you wanted to bring up? Uh, not the moment. I will definitely have more for uh, next time. Roger, but, Roger. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm trying to get back and think. Oh, uh, do <laughs> so. You know, I set up that. Um, oh, what is it? Uh, the CR10 uh, S4 uh, for my work, and uh, they right now they moved it to the shop area, and it's just been sitting there collecting dust. Awesome. Just take it home. <laughs> yeah, just Dude. put it under your shirt. Well, I almost want to bring in STLs and just kind of put it, the SD card in and just start printing them while I'm at work. They'll never know. They'll never know. Yeah, I do that Seriously. or bring it home for uh, quote unquote maintenance prints. That's right. No, I, honestly, start I could probably home in pieces. <laughs> in pieces. Never came that in that many pieces to begin with. Um, no, no, I can honestly. I'm thinking about putting some uh, STLs on a. SD card and just uh, taking them in there and uh, printing them. You need a trash can for your area, don't you? That thing would make a pretty good sized trash can. Ooh, yeah. Or Where, didn't... you could make full size litho lampshades. Lipo lash. Oh wow, yeah. Dude, I'll take my idea. Oh, I'll take your idea. <laughs> take it and run. That's right. Come get me. Oh, we we'll just have to follow the smoke. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problems there, for sure. Very cool, very cool, Aaron. Um, Brett, looks like you got a couple links here about uh, Nest Pie cases and stuff. Yeah, I uh, about maybe a month ago, I was, you know, looking around. I've been looking into doing um, the Retro Pie stuff and, you know, just happened to come along this uh, Amazon link that was basically a... Uh, it was a uh, Ness, like a mini Ness, like they were selling. But uh, instead of having, you know, the Ness in it, it, you could actually put a Raspberry Pi in it. Now, that's, you know, a normal case, but it replaces and moves all the uh, all the components. So underneath the little flip thing that you have, you have two USBs and a, um, and a Ethernet plug. And then you have where the controllers are. Usually you have two more USBs. Well, the... The interesting thing about it was the fact that it has a power button, which was really cool. But, uh, sorry. Uh, but there was, uh, there was a problem with the power button that, that a few people have found that it literally cuts the power. Ooh. So, yeah. Um, it cuts the power, and I don't know if there's been anyone that has had any problems with it, but I don't like the idea of messing with that. Yeah, I mean, but, technically, you would only have real issues in the middle of saving a state, like a ROM state, or copying a file to the actual internal drive. It's, I'll say this, on the uh, Android and Linux-based systems, it's honestly a little bit hard to have file corruption, but if the power fluctuates as it's shutting down, that's where you can have anomalies. I know kind of happen. I don't like the idea... I have for years, I'm not going to lie, for years I did hard power downs on my Linux boxes and everything worked fine. But it only takes one time to really completely ruin your day. And especially with this kind of thing, the last thing you want is to bring one of these things home to someone who doesn't know how these things work, how to reformat it, how to get it started, and have them have a critical failure on a drive. Exactly. Yep. You know, I could see someone just getting mad at a game and just shutting it off. Yeah. Well, that's not a problem as long as it's not in a write mode. If it's not trying to write to the SD card, I don't think it's a big issue. Yeah, but I just, 
it's still, you know, I found a, uh, uh, a, a link for a YouTube video that uh, actually shows where you can change the reset button to become a power down button. So as I ordered uh, quite a few of these, you know, uh, Nest Pie cases, um, I'll be, I think, redoing the insides of them and putting uh, the safe shutdown script along with one more wire, a couple resistors in each um, case. That way, you know, if I do end up, you know, getting one back, it won't be because I'm unplugged it, or unplugged it or, you know, did something wrong that, you know, wasn't, that they didn't know about. Well, I just look at it like um, <clears throat> on a Raspberry Pi, how do you shut off the system? You pull the power. It, I mean, you issue a shutdown command. Nah, I just, as long as it's not writing anything, I just pull the power and I've never had a problem. Well, here, here's <laughs> the other gimmick. If most of these have essentially a swap file and the swap file is technically on the disk itself, I'm not going to say it's probable. I will say it is possible on especially SD cards to have, I mean, we've all had SD cards fail. I'll say that. And this is the kind of thing where it makes me just a little bit sketchy. And only because there are settings. When you get into retro gaming, you will go through a phase where you will set the automatic save state to happen like every five seconds, every 10 seconds. Because there are ways to set that to automatically save state. Because like the, the people who play certain games, especially games like Metroid, you know, like the old Metroid NES, you know, if you die and you have full energy tanks, it takes sometimes a half an hour plus of grinding to get your energy state back up to being full. So what you end up doing is saving state a lot, so you can just re... So if you die, you just reload a state back from, you know, five minutes ago or whatever, Because just because of the time savings. Yeah, I think, uh, wasn't Metroid the original one? Wasn't it the password system? Or am I thinking of something else? Um, I honestly can't I think it had a continue on it. Uh, the first game to have the continue was Zelda, Legend of Zelda, and I think Metroid had it too. Legend oh, okay. of Zelda was the first battery backup. Um, Metroid had the the password system, and of course everybody password. knows the Justin Bailey. Oh, yeah. yes, you're right, you're right. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm still young, so I didn't play them when I was, you know, in diapers, but, you know, it just... I love the old games because, you know, it's not, it's more fun, I think, but you're right. I, I can see someone setting up the save state every five seconds or 10 seconds or, you know, and just saving it and then having someone come in. Oh, I want to play. No, unplug, you know. So that's, that's the only, that's the main risk that I see is just kids, you know, trying to play and, you know, getting rough with it. I don't know. The only game I ever play on those retro games is Contra, and I can remember the code. Up, up. It's, 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 yeah. What yeah. do you mean? You, it's automatic. Everybody can remember the code. <laughs> it's automatic. <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A-B, select, start, done. Yeah, when I was uh, playing the my RetroPie, I always just had a couple key mappings so I could load and save states direct from the controller quickly. So things were getting dangerous. <laughs> Do a save state and and then continue so forth. So Liam, you're saying five seconds after you started it, you'd have to save state. Yeah, no, I'm I'm horrible at video gaming. Well, well, but see, Liam just hit one of the big pluses. The big plus to playing NES, you had the directional pad A B select start. You only had four buttons. 
So if you have a six button controller, you can take two of those buttons and remap them to save state and load state. So you can very easily uh, on the fly completely reload state and save state with very, very little effort. And that's to me one of the things that made beating some games that I went back and beat actually doable. Yeah, there's always that extra button or, you know, there's, you know, certain controllers that have the turbo buttons or, uh, you know, playing some of the older Game Boy games where the RPGs where, you know, you were just clicking A to watch people talk. Having a turbo button was great, you know, on, a, on an emulator. Well, that's another thing. Um, to, to combat that, <clears throat> I had another key assignment so I could tap the hotkey and then the appropriate direction to speed up or slow down the game to fast forward through cutscenes and talking and everything else. Or if I'm traveling overworld and I just want to get where I'm going again, I can let it play back at four, three, five speed, whatever until I get where I'm going and then cut it back to normal speed. Yeah. They, uh, um, speed up was always, was always a fun part of the part of the games and having different buttons and different, you know, things that, you, you know, it was, it just, I don't want to say it's better than the original system because, you know, it's hard to beat the original systems, but, you know, it just makes it that much more enjoyable when you don't have to sit through, especially if you're not um, playing it as a kid, you know, you don't want to sit through, you know, the hour of talking. Very cool, very cool. And uh, to me, that's the kind of feature you can offer people that um, other places, I'm sure, just don't really care about. They just sell you stuff. Um. It looks like the case you link to is currently unavailable on Amazon. I can find one like it, but it's $70. How much was this case when it was in stock? In stock was, I think, 20 Um So, yeah, they bumped up the price real quick. Um, I heard as much as, actually, if you look on Etsy, um, there's one case going, you know, this has no Raspberry Pi. This has no plug. This has no anything. It's just the case in a nice box, but uh, the one on Etsy goes for $90. But that's probably just somebody bought a bunch of them and is selling them off because they're in such high demand. Oh, yeah, I agree. You know, they'll go down eventually, but no, there's definitely someone that just bought a bunch and is just bumping up the price. Because when that NES, when Nintendo did their actual official release of them, that was the same thing you've seen, you know? That week after they were all sold out, they yeah. were a hundred bucks on, you know, hundred bucks more on eBay, you know. So you wait a week or two, whatever. Once, once they start ramping up production, it'll be back down to a normal price. Yeah, um, but the one thing that that Nintendo did that, well, it's probably a, it's it's definitely a a strategic thing is, you know, they stopped production on them. They put out, you know, a few of them and. Just said, okay, that's it. Yeah, the long story short is they, this is what they said. I say they're idiots. They said they looked at the other retro systems that were being made and being sold, and none of them sold very well. So we figured we would make this one, and we figured it wouldn't sell very long, very well. So we just made a little batch of them and killed the batch early, which completely made everyone mad and sent uh, people out to buy them and put them on Amazon for sometimes two, three hundred dollars. The SNES Mini is coming out, and they are saying they were planning on stopping production of it in this year. So it would only be available for like two or three months. Now they're saying production will keep going into the first quarter of next year. 
Uh, they're not sure when it's going to stop, but they promise there's going to be many more of the Super Nintendo minis than the NES minis. But the real dirty secret is more than likely it's going to have the exact same hardware inside because the NES mini was so overpowered for what all they needed because it was actually cheaper to buy what they did. Yeah, the I, I can see it being the exact same hardware because you're right, it was it was way overpowered and uh, you know just. But I believe um, Star Fox is supposed to Star Fox Two is supposed to come with it. That's the only you know major thing that I, that people are talking about other than having the SNES games. They're you know just having one release of a game that never got released. Yeah, but any of us that know anything about the retro games and emulators and stuff. We made our own, didn't we? I mean, I had one way before the NES, the, the classic came out. I mean, it was just on my computer. I can sit, I can sit now and play all those gold games, you know. Oh so, yeah, I I've had emulators on my on my uh, computers since forever. But I don't know. There's something about having a controller, doing it on a TV, um, making it somewhat similar to the original you know, controller and, you know, sitting down playing the game. It just doesn't work on a computer like it does on a TV. It's about accessibility. It's about convenience and accessibility. It's, uh, I want to play that game. Oh, I don't want to start up my machine. Oh, it's doing updates. Oh, it's doing that. You just want to walk over, push a button, be ready. Um, I, maybe this is the cynic in me, but I feel like they killed those off because they realize that's going to cut their own throats when they release the uh, the retro stuff in digital form on exactly on the other systems. And then yeah. the digital stuff, you can't take it to a game game shop, game and trade to to our buddy Cody and resell it like you can a physical one. Well, then, then the logic is why are they coming out with the Super Nintendo Mini? Because they got a taste of that money. <laughs> I like oh, money. That's big money. That's big money that yeah, they're making off those yeah, things. I mean, they make those for... A pennies on the dollar, I bet. Well, yeah, you know, the you know numbers I, they make them. <laughs> you know, I I wait in line for what two and a half, three hours for that any NES and got one of those. But uh, and how many so, games were on that? Uh, forty, yeah. thirty. Yeah, I'll, 30 what 40. I'll say is what they don't understand, and I can't believe they don't understand is they their fanboys are more drastic than apple fanboys they could sell a nintendo mini a super nintendo mini a n64 mini offer all the games for sale on nintendo switch virtualized and i would probably buy all of them just so i because i would love to come people to come to my house and look look at my retro game mini consoles we can play any of these right now it's almost a status symbol kind of thing to have them um when i could play them anywhere at any point in time but i really would love to have them there just because and there's no reason only because i think they're cool oh that's exactly what they did it for see i'm an atari guy i oh i miss my old atari games so I know, but th- I've got a couple Atari emulate the when the joysticks came out that you plugged them into your TV with the uh, uh, RCA the cables or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I I bought I have two of those actually in my boxes of stuff right now. Those are like but, ten bucks, aren't they? Yeah, they're super yeah. cheap. But I've got every 
Atari game on my emulator too that <laughs> I sit I play them all the time. No, I play quite often. <laughs> well, here's the difference. Original art original joysticks for that system were horrible. You have to admit, they were horrible. That was the best part about the games. And then when they came out with these retro systems, it was easy for them to replicate the joysticks. They were horrible. In some cases, Atari emulation is better than the real deal. And don't get me wrong, I had at least two Atari systems when I was a kid. Uh played everything from Carnival, Adventure, the uh, uh, Tanks game, uh, Barnstorming, Stampede. I mean, all of them. It was, it was a great system, great games. But Jesus, those sticks killed me. Well, they were stupid dip switches on a toggle. I mean, they weren't even true animal. They were just oh, horrible switching systems in those things. Yeah. Um, you also have a link to another piece of uh, hardware in here. Oh, this is the uh, Titan Arrow, right? Yeah, that's the Titan Arrow that I uh, that you asked for. Just uh, just to show what you know what I was talking about. Gotcha, gotcha. Does anybody else here use the Titan? Arrow or any of those actual name branded stuff, the actual good what they claim as the, the good good stuff. Yeah, I have one on my FT five and I believe uh, Liam I has one on his FT five. I do, yeah. I have a genuine and then I also have two clones. How are so, the clones different? Bit and finish is just not. Yeah, my my uh OG the FT5 or the the actual uh, genuine article, man, that's the best thing I ever purchased. It is dead on and it works, and I never have clogs. Yeah, I'll I'll agree. the The arrow, you know, the difference between the sta- the the standard one that came with the FT5 and the arrow is just massively different. Um, it's just a just a better system, but you know, it took a couple times to take it apart, you know, just to make sure, just to figure out what was going on with it, you know. Getting a uh, fan cooler was, was the fun part. Uh, printing a fan cooler without, uh, or printing a part cooler without a part cooler, not very fun. On the um, clone, what I did with my last one is I ordered the entire hot end clone for, I don't know, 8 $12, whatever it was. And then I ordered a E3D Genuine um, throat the all metal part. That's that's the important part to me. That's the part where the actual um, finishing matters, other than your your nozzles. And that one was a nice mix of quality and price. So if you're if you're looking to go inexpensive, that might be a good place to start. Well, we all know me. I'm cheap as hell. I uh, buy everything on the cheap Chinese sites and stuff, and have it ordered that way so i'm just wondering if it's worth it to buy one of the high priced ones oh it definitely is i think yeah i think it is it's actually uh um well spent money chad because uh you're gonna have consistency you're not gonna fight issues that you would normally have with um filaments and uh, if you did have the issues, you would know that it would, would be the filament itself or maybe a setting. But consistency with um, your temperatures and um, retraction and uh, 
um, just all, you know, all around uh, flow, it, it works great. Yeah, I would definitely say it's more of a known quantity, whereas with uh, the clones, it's very much just luck of the draw. Very cool, very cool, guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys had any other topics you wanted to bring to the show. Okay. Oh, yeah. There was gonna, one last topic. There was going to be um, everybody's got to purchase the the gun that Liam got, um, the airsoft gun, and then we're all meeting at Liam's for a huge uh, airsoft fight. That's all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but my vision's really bad, so I'm going to need like a scope on mine. With 30 mag- magnification? Something. Yeah, if, if you were digging at me, I just missed all that. I was outside. No, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, you don't need to know. Okay, I definitely thank you guys a lot for coming out. I uh, thank everyone for their support. Do not forget to uh, share this uh, feed, share this episode, share a link to podnest.com uh, to your friends. This show needs more downloads. The more downloads, the better we are going to make this. And don't forget, if you want to partake in this show, just send me an email, either at mail at podnest.com or the makers at podnest.com, and you can come on and you can partake and you can... Uh, give us notes, tips, or tricks that you think would help all of the uh, all of the community. Uh, I want to thank everyone for coming out again, and I will talk to everyone in about a week. <laughs>